0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin Felix and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate.
1: All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back nineteen. Explain yourself, boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand <laughs> You jumped up and.
2: That's Austin Mason. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with
1: Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Sp- Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncourt for the end wow. zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the
0: touchdown. That's Matt Broody. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic back on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And got this time it's Fields on the carry,
1: watch out! Justin Fields Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head
2: with me?
0: I am. You gotta You're get all my all popcorn out, out here. Hold on. on. Gotta continue. I got got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated right higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Oh.
1: Our apologies, to Kirk Street. and time will get getting rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Mason, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. 1:30 Eastern Time, the only time zone with that matters. That means it's time for the Debbie debate, brought to you by campuscan.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp. On an opulent version of tonight's show, are we still buying C.J. Stroud stock? Could a certain Kentucky QB be this year's Zach Wilson and is a transfer in the cards for a certain Texas quarterback? (laughs) Ah! Clay Hilton in USC, the Trojans' former head coach, was hired in 2015 and took them to a Rose Bowl in his second season. All downhill from there, Helton has never got back to a New Year's Six Bowl and finishes his tenure with a 46-24 and record. Was this a smart decision,
2: gentlemen, by USC to get rid of Clay Helton? Yeah, I think they definitely had to do this. Um, USC has not looked good at all this year. They they beat uh, San Diego State uh, last week. This game against Stanford was not very close. You know, the, the score, it was about a two-touchdown game. They were up by more than that. They kind of gifted uh, USC uh, some scores there at the end of the game. There, this team has no identity, and I think that's the big problem. If you're going to be a, a head coach in college and you're going to be a winning head coach in college, especially at a major Division one program, you have to have some sort of identity. Uh, you, you can think of virtually any of the top coaches out there right now um, you know, Nick Saban for a long time was, was a crushing defense, and now they've gone to more of a flexible offense is kind of what they're they're known for. They build around the pieces they have there. Um, you know, uh, uh, at, at Ohio State, Ryan Day is known for, you know, being able to teach up quarterbacks and explosive offense. Same with Lincoln Riley down at Oklahoma. Clay Helton, I honestly can't tell you what the USC team is good at. Uh, they are a high-volume passing attack, but I don't think they're an overwhelming efficient or strong one. I don't think they've ever really been very good on the ground. Their defenses have never been anything special. And I think more importantly, uh, it's just beyond an identity, but they, they have not recruited South Cal- uh, Southern California well. They've let all of the top talent leave there. They're going to Texas, to the SEC, to Ohio State, to Oregon – which is the real big ouchie there? Losing kids from your own backyard to a big conference rival. So Justin uh, Flow, it, it, it had to be done. It, it was coming sooner rather than later. We talked all off season about the chances of him being fired. Probably happened a little earlier than we thought, um, but no, I can't say this was shocking. And I think it was smart on their on their part. I mean, it was very predictable. Um, yeah. We predicted this back in the off season and the really
1: the next question is, is who is it going to be? I mean, Urban Meyer is circulating now, but we always thought Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle um, uh, could be a potential candidate to go there. Hey, what about Joe Brady or or um, Lane Kiffin? Lane Kiffin going back to to USC. So, um, you know, I, I think this was predictable. I, I, the one question I have, Matt, is is USC
0: even a top ten college football program right now? No, I mean they have the prestige, so I think they could get back there if they make the right hire. You know, you mentioned a couple guys. I do think Lane Kiffin might be smart to go back. I, I don't want Joe Brady to go back there after Kevin dropped the joe brady to chicago with justin fields i can't uh, can't get that out of my head now but uh luke fickle i don't know if that would be a i think he's great at building culture uh felix i know you listened to uh late kick with josh pate he talks a lot about that and how that changes schools i think that would be a smart move for them uh i don't understand why they didn't make this firing earlier in the year or before the season even started it kind of felt like they made this move now because they were looking for the first time, first thing to do to just get rid of him. I think they should have just fired him to begin with because now you're going to have other schools that open up. You know, the big one is is LSU. A lot of people are talking about if Ed Orgeron goes. I don't know that a coach is going to pick USC over over LSU. So, no. Right now, I don't think they're a top 10 school. Maybe top 15, top 20, but top 10, no.
2: It feels like it was a total lose lose for programs, especially like USC this offseason following the COVID year. Um, you know, the Pac 12 only played, they played the fewest games of any of the conferences last year. So, you firing somebody after last year would have felt harsh and probably would have faced quite a bit of public backlash. Um, so teams were almost damned if they did and damned if they didn't. This isn't shocking. Uh, I will say that you, the Athletic, they did a, a recent poll where they reached out to a lot of people within the college football sphere. And they pulled them and say, what are the best head coaching jobs in the NCAA? USC finished sixth. So I still okay. think amongst people in the profession, it still holds a lot of weight, even if we don't really think of USC right now. As you know, a as like the sixth best place to be for a head coach, I think I think coaches and and uh, you know, athletic directors and, and people in the game very much think well, about let's that. check. Well, let's check that.
1: Let's check that. I'm looking at just SEC teams Alabama, Georgia, better jobs than USC. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, LSU, better job than than I, USC. I would
0: say yes. I would say, I would say yes. yes, too. I think it's Gloria.
2: I don't think Florida's a better job.
0: I wouldn't say Florida. Okay. The not Texas AM? No. No. I'd put Texas over them, but that's just because it's Texas. I mean, not because of – I mean, I think with the, the prestige that comes with Texas. I mean, just off the top of my head, you're talking outside of those that you just mentioned, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State. Is that really Oklahoma. it? Oklahoma.
2: Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd put Oklahoma above them. I, d- I don't think Michigan's a better job. The, th- the thing about te- the, about USC that's so unique is that when things are clicking at USC, when you have the right guy there, you have your pick of one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the entire country. Yeah. It's not Florida that competes with Florida State, and then Georgia and Bama go in there and successfully can, can bring those kids out, even when Florida's really good. If USC is good, those kids don't leave Southern California; they stay yeah. home, and UCLA will never be a threat in, in terms of recruiting pool to them.
0: And right. it's always got nice weather and beaches, so you can't beat that. So, uh,
1: but you know what? Uh, the Pac-12 as a whole, I'm not, I'm not sure the last time it actually mattered as a conference. So we spent the too alliance. much time talking about USC. The alliance. Give it you how could, a couple how, more
2: years. How good have teams in the Big Ten been, though, outside of Ohio State, and they've been nationally yeah. relevant? How good? How good have teams in the ACC been? consistently outside I mean of clemson and they've been nationally relevant florida state had yeah. this couple years but i mean no one's
0: consistently it, been great alongside those schools and they've been just yeah. fine i know you want to move on past usc but to to just to point more toward austin's point i mean if you go back to what pete carroll was able to do in like the matt liner reggie bush era if you can get a team rolling like that it doesn't matter i think most of these kids they just they want to be in the playoffs they want to compete they want to be able to show they can do it against the best so they can make it to the NFL level. If you can get a coach that can prove he can do that and get teams in the playoffs. And I agree with Austin, a lot of those California kids aren't going to Ohio State, Alabama, Oregon. They're staying in California and going to US.
1: All right. Um that was some of the big news in week two after week two is Clay Helton getting fired. But but um what are some other takeaways specifically with players um after you know now that we have two games in the books, Matt what did you learn in week two?
0: Well, I'll talk a little bit about Will Levis because I, I posted a uh, picture of his uh, QBR rating uh, per Jarek's uh, little magic line and, and tool and everything. And while I am not going to say that he is a first round pick right now, I know there's a lot of people who are jumping on that train. I definitely want to, I definitely think he's someone to watch after two games, right? So, two games, 44th of. 28 28 for 44, I'm sorry, 546 yards, 63.6 completion percentage, but only five touchdowns, two interceptions. But he he does have five big-time throws for an 11.1 percentage. He has zero turnover-worthy plays in two games. He has done most of his damage uh, going deep. 292 of his 546 yards have come on passes over 20-plus yards. That is fourth in college with a 22.7% 20, 20, of his attempts. He has got two touchdowns, zero interceptions on that. And his A-dot is 33.7 yards. That is 18th in college. If you just take the way the deep passing, his A-dot is 12 yards, which is 16th in college. He's got the legs... He's got the arm. He can make plays. Obviously, he's not been consistent. He technically got beat out by Sean Clifford, if you want to throw that in there, to to why he ended up leaving, going to Kentucky. I don't want to say he's a first-round pick right now, but I do think he is worth watching because the one thing, and and Ray pointed this out on Twitter, and I do agree with him 100% on this, is quarterbacks are overvalued at the NFL level because everybody is looking for that next guy that, that that's what the NFL runs on his quarterbacks. So those guys are going to be overdrafted at times and sometimes boosted up even when they are not that good. I mentioned the 2011 class with like Christian Ponder. I don't even remember anybody. I know Cam Newton was the best of that class. I don't even remember the other crappy quarterbacks in that class. Uh, you're muted Felix. So I don't know who you're saying. Said so Jake Locker, EJ Manuel, I mean all okay. those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It, was, it
0: was, and I feel like that's what this class is starting to look like. Like I can see maybe one quarterback really being successful, and a lot of these other guys just kind of not being good. And so I think you have to give a guy like Will Levis, who right now on the field is showing that he possibly could do it. Some credit. I'm not going to put him as a first-round or even a second-round pick right now. But if he goes out there, he's got some tough matchups coming up, specifically one against Georgia in a couple weeks. If he's able to go out there and produce against that defense, I think you've got to give him some credit.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think Will Levis right now is fun to watch. You could get him absolutely at the end of your startups this year. Um, uh, But that's all I'm going to say about him right now. Austin? What are some of your takeaways from uh, uh, week two?
2: Yeah, I, I have two here. One's a player and one's not, but uh, my first and, one. I lost it. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I, I'm elephant in the room. What are your thoughts about Will Levis as a prospect, as a quarterback?
2: Yeah, I think he's closer to day three than he is to day one right now. Um, I, I would not bet on him. I, the Georgia game is going to be really interesting. What I, I watched the uh, Kentucky-Mizzou game in its entirety. I've actually watched it basically twice I recorded it and went back and watched it again afterward. Just, just watching uh, Kentucky's offensive plays. Um, he, he, he has been a really effective deep. He really, really has um, the, the thing about like, especially the the Missouri game, there were really only two throws. He had that deep, that deep bomb that he threw. And then he had another really nice throw to the opposite hash, uh, you know, a kind of a timing throw, you know, three steps quick uh, fired it over, was a nice pass beyond that though. he, I have not seen any sort of anticipatory throwing out of him at all. Uh, he's throwing in the giant windows. He's basically when he goes deep, it's just deep posts where the safety is in the box because they're so worried about Chris Rodriguez. Um, but he's just a, he has two thirds of the field as his as his net to throw into, and he just throws it into that area unless the receiver run into it. Uh, he certainly has the 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 arm strength and those kind of tools. I, I, um, I have always said that coming out of. Yeah. Penn state. He's been able to do those things. Um, I think even in a mediocre, mediocre quarterback class though, I can't see. I like, I, th- I think there's almost zero chance he goes uh, before Malik Willis would this year. I think there's almost a 0% chance that he would go before any of Corral, how Rattler. Um, and then there's definitely a couple of other names. I think, I don't think he would go before Ritter. And the other thing that would hurt him if he were to come out this year that has helped uh, players that have maybe not been in offensive systems lately that have really shown what they can do. He doesn't get the senior bowl. He's not eligible for the senior bowl this year, you know, guys like Justin Herbert have gone to that and really showcased what they can do for some of these scouts. He he is not going to be afforded that opportunity if he were to come out for the 2022 draft. Um, So I think that is something that actually would negatively impact him, or at least would not positively impact him. Were he able to participate? Um,
0: So that that's kind of my thoughts on Will Levis personally. I think there's a better shot. He comes out in 2023 because of that. Because – and I hate to say this. I don't want to give away anything we're going to talk about later. I've really soured on the 2023 class. I, I'm just – outside of Bryce Young, I mean, I I, I think I know DJU is going to be good. But this year has really worried me. Uh, and, I mean, we'll get to Stroud, obviously, later too. Hudson Card. I mean – Right now, you could argue he could be a first-round pick if he waited until 2023, if he continued to do this, because I agree with everything you said, Austin. The only thing I I, I don't want to say I have an issue with, I don't think anticipatory throwing matters that much. We see a lot of guys like Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott. Uh, Baker doesn't do it as much, but they are very much see it, throw it, guys. When they see the player open, they throw it because of the way they can zip it in there. It doesn't matter. Not everybody has to be Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, so I don't think that matters as much. But I do agree that I haven't seen enough of those big-time throws of him, him fitting it into windows, trying to make that perfect throw, if that makes sense. You are you're you are seeing a lot of him hitting Wandale, who's got 10 yards of separation on on the defensive back. I, I would argue you could probably go out there and make the throw. Maybe not 60 yards down the field like he is. Yeah, but, I've got a noodle arm.
2: I, I'm yeah, Chad okay.
0: Pennington. <laughs>
2: I'm Chad Pennington, post-shoulder injury. <laughs> and I cut you off from making your uh, week two observation. So, no, you're good. Me. Yeah. I was gonna say Alabama, I think, you know, so far this season, uh I've watched I watched nine football games this past week and nine college football games. Um I watched many more week one. Uh they are the prohibitive favorite. Like I don't even think it's a question at this point. I know it's not time for Austin's lukewarm take yet. Um, but i just don't see how there's any team that's that's going to touch them this year. Georgia is the closest and to be honest i don't think Georgia is the well-rounded machine that Alabama is for the first time in a few years. They are big and fast on defense. Um, they they can rally to the ball, they can get after the quarterback. They they are, are you know fast in the in the defensive backfield and that offense is not going to skip a beat at all this year with Bryce Young. They're averaging almost 500 yards per game of offense. They're allowing less than 250. I know they're not playing the toughest schedule either with the world with mercer but they played miami week one it's not like they played a couple directional schools here um uh, they've got a huge stable of running backs if, if you know jojo and gia hall and some of these guys continue to develop a wide receiver i see no reason why they aren't just going to absolutely steamroll did the, the, the sec go into the playoff and do exactly what they did last year i no, I, I
1: no i don't think it's through them. the through i mean you're you're, you're saying they're going to steamroll alabama in the sec championship game steamroll, I mean, that's, georgia? I think, steamroll georgia he's steam, talking georgia, about alabama Georgia. Yeah.
2: Georgia steamrolled Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, let's be honest. We thought maybe they were shutting down Clemson's offense, and then Clemson's offense went out last week and absolutely crapped the bed. So yeah. that performance perhaps looks, you know, a little less. Uh, I don't think we've seen Georgia's best football though. So I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna wait and see on that one. I can't wait to see that game though. Um, they should both be undefeated at the at the t- at that time in the season. But they should both absolutely whoever loses that game, if they are undefeated, they should still make the playoff. Um, they should still make the playoff. My observation is, I mean, we got to talk about Brandon Thomas. We got to talk about Brandon Thomas. You talked about that 2023 class, Matt. He is going to be a part of it, and it's just a matter of where does he fit amongst that you know what we consider to be an elite running back class. He's obviously going to be more productive than Kendall Milton. He's going to be more productive than Jace McClellan and he's probably going to be right there with Zach Evans, probably even more productive than Zach Evans, but he's a different kind of running back. If we're going to give credit to 5'11", 200 pound Kyron Williams and say that he's a potential day two pick, well then let's, we need to give the same credit to Brandon Thomas, who was a much more physical runner. I can't believe that he's only 200 pounds and he's just as explosive. So uh, we talked Austin, you talked about it in the waiver wire column this week that he's an absolute must add. Not only is he, and I think I think that uh Brandon Thomas is 5'11 I think he's 5'11 200. I think that that's what he's listed in listed on on the website. So, um, yeah, uh, yes, uh, Brandon, but Brandon Thomas was an absolutely must add this week. I got him in one of my um uh, main leagues, I was very excited to do so, but I, I think that. I think that even now we can talk about where do we place him amongst Kendall Milton, Jace McClellan, Zach Evans, because that's the second tier of running backs in that 2023 class after Jameer Gibbs, uh, Tank Bigsby and uh, Bijan Robinson. And I don't think it's too it's too early to say yes. Yeah, slide, slide him right there, or slide him to the top of that tier, Austin. I know that you like Zach Evans, and we're going to have a conversation about him. But I mean, I would like to. I mean, is it too early? Is it too early? Is two games and over three hundred yards rushing in those two games is it too early to say that Brandon Thomas
2: belongs in that tier? The sharps had him before this week. Just throwing that out there.
1: The sharps had him, but I don't know that
2: anyone was
1: putting him was saying, "Okay, let's consider this guy's place in the 2023
2: class." Matt,
0: oh, I really don't have much else to say on him. I, I don't. I'm not putting him above Zach Evans yet, but I do think he agree. I agree he needs to be put in that tier. I'll even say, and I got a bunch of uh, a bunch of crap about this on our running back uh, summit ranking. I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Thomas goes out there and outproduces Jameer Gibbs right now because dude hadn't been doing anything really. Uh, he's not been able to no, run no, the no, ball no. that well. And it he
1: hasn't, but Jameer Gibbs has played fine. Look, he's in a J- jameer Gibbs, the, the dynamic that he adds as a pass catcher. There's I'm nobody, not saying he's
0: I'm not saying he's better than, than Jameer, jameer Gibbs. Gibbs. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if he outproduces no. Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I well, agree. I wouldn't I mean okay. I wouldn't be yeah.
2: surprised if Brandon Thomas ends up being the RB one in college fantasy this year. Like him and Isaiah Bowser. Yeah. I'm probably going to go yeah. head-to-head there on, on that. Category.
1: I mean, I said it. I didn't realize you were writing the waiver wire column, and so in my draft, I said that, you know, <laughs> this guy's going to be productive. He could be the RB1, but and he, that mean, he was a, a push-all-your-chips-in push type of uh, acquisition.
2: So. And, and it's not like, um, you know, we I, we like sincere McCormick. He's a little undersized, but whatever. He, he's at UTSA, though. It's mm-hmm. not like Brandon Thomas is at UTSA. He's at a school that has produced – Running back talent over the past five years, mm-hmm. and the majority of that staff, you know, Norvell's gone, but they just promoted the offensive coordinator there. It's the same guy that was there with Darrell Henderson and Tony Pollard and and Kenny Gainwell, and Thomas is just a a bigger player. But I mean, I think that that has to feel good. Like we had to account for that a little bit when we're kind I, of they're the same size, there. but they're t- but stylistically,
1: stylistically, stylistically, they're totally different though. Thomas I plays with a forward talented. lean. He's hard to he's hard to wrap up. Um, we haven't seen him catch the ball yet, but you're absolutely. I mean, he's different than the guys who've been there. Kenny Gainwell, Daryl Henderson, those guys were like slashers. Uh, Brandon Thomas is a 200 pound explosive thumper, and so he, he's got one. I mean, he can go to the NFL in 2023. Maybe he'll stay all four years. But if he is out there on your waivers, for to anyone listening to listening to this priority at all your 100% fab Brandon Thomas, 100% fab. All right. um, We got more observations. Uh, yes, Matt. I I'm mean, sorry. I've got
0: one. If you want me to talk about it, I, I think uh, right now, and I know Austin's mentioned him before. We, he talked a little bit about him last year and this year. Uh, Dante Demas, I think is the guy to own right now. Uh, wide receiver at Maryland. He's senior, 6'3, 217. Right now, he's tied for ninth in receiving yards at 261. He's got 16 targets and 12 receptions, which is only one more target than Jarrett, but he has outproduced him. Jarrett sitting right now with 189 yards. He's played 96.9% of his snaps on the outside, while Jarrett has been the primary slot receiver for Maryland at 94.1% in the slot. His dot is sitting at 11, while Jarrett's is only sitting at 5. He's 4th in downfield receiving yards. 167 of his yards have come on passes over 20-plus yards. He has run 41.7 yards per route on those deep passes, which is uh, actually second in college behind Rakeem Jarrett. He seems to be the deep threat there for uh, Talia. And I think with Maryland's passing attack, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they only lose a game. Maybe two in the Big Ten. I think they're going to challenge Ohio State when they play them in about a month from this weekend. I, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa,
1: Timeout. Are you? What are you saying about what, Maryland? That they're going to challenge gonna Ohio State?
0: Oh, really? I mean, oh, I'm not Maryland's saying they're going to good. good. I said they're going to challenge really? Ohio State because their secondary couldn't okay. stop who's me. Who's the one from who said? Anything. Who's
1: the one who said that? That you know, Maryland was this year's Indiana. Who who in said fairness,
0: that? In fairness to you, you did say that. But just to give you a little slice of humble pie, you also said Indiana was gonna be good. You said Michigan was gonna be good. You might have even said Northwestern at one point in time was gonna be good. i didn't say you said Michigan Minnesota was be might good. be I able to do something. Said, My point no. is you've 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 like crowned a lot of schools to do something. So yes, you hit on one of like the 30 we talked about this offseason. I have been
1: on Maryland. I have been on Maryland and what Mike Mike Loxley is doing there and, and the improvements in recruiting that they've had. And I've even compared it to what Indiana's done and how, you know, Loxley is actually improving in their recruiting rankings and, and Tom Allen is kind of staying stagnant. So can somebody give me some credit for once? Just once. I mean, you did enough. You did
0: enough uh, I, back padding last week, and you know we can. That's because
1: I don't need you to. That's
2: you because literally I literally said, "Who do, do you I to? trust?" Me. Yes. Yeah.
0: Me. Week. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> me.
1: I trust me. Okay. Um, Austin. Austin. Do you have another one?
2: Um, I mean, the only other thing that I've, you know, a, a guy that's really just jumped out to me this year beyond Brandon Thomas, Tyler Beatty running back at Missouri is somebody that I think we really need to get accustomed to possibly putting as a day two NFL draft pick this year. Uh, the guy, the guy has been killing it in the receiving game and the rushing game. He is Mizzou's leading receiver right now. Uh, 128 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Um, he's got 16 targets, 13 catches, and it's not just dump off stuff. Like he, he is working downfield as well. He had a long catch a couple of weeks ago. Um, he, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He he's 205 pounds, so he's not a huge back, but I think he's got enough size and he's physical. He's at Kyron Williams, you know, more physical than maybe his size would suggest. I think he's better already than like Jerry on Ely, another undersized back. You know, say which one about Eric Gray, but Eric Gray's in the most amazing situation ever, and he's done sh- jack shit this year. And Tyler Beatty has been the offense for Mizzou. I- I'm not saying that. You know, I like I-, I think he's a legitimate day two day two draft pick this year, um, and I think that that he's going to just have an enormous season. I, I-, I think we need to um, definitely be be moving him up lists here.
0: Yeah, just to narrate your point there, Austin. He has uh, actually played. Uh, where is it right here? I'm horrible with math. Uh, about 18% of his snaps have come not just uh, in the slot, but actually out wide as well. He's running about three yards per route. So as you mentioned, it's not just dump offs. It's not stuff coming from behind the line of scrimmage.
1: Tyler Batty in a bad 2022 draft class. He could absolutely be a riser. Um, Austin, you got some house- housekeeping for us. Housekeeping? Housekeeping?
2: Yeah. Um, if you guys have not been checking out the two weekly shows here at campus to Canton on Saturdays, I I highly recommend you do so. We got the tailgate kicks off 10am every weekend, uh, two hours there that previews all of the college football action, uh, both from a CFF and a DFS and, uh, gambling type, uh, uh, place. We've got our our prize picks partnership that we have now, um, uh, promo code, uh, c2c gets you a uh, first-time depositor a, a full match on their first deposit up to a hundred dollars and if you deposit at least 20 bucks you get a free membership with us our membership costs 30 dollars so $200. time out time out time out i'm never with doing housekeeping again
1: so are you telling me that with prize picks you can enter pr- promo code c2c right and you you one. can win you can win you can Pick lines and you can win money back, right? You can do that. Yes. Don't mute yourself, Austin. Yes. No, I quit. Two, I quit
2: housekeeping.
1: Two, you get a match. <laughs> Austin has actually left the chat. You get a match of up to $100. And if you deposit $20, you get a free membership to campusdecan.com, which is $30 in and of itself. It's a no brainer deal. Prize picks, promo code C2C. Go do it right now. And if you want to subscribe to the site, it's only $2.99 a month or $29.99, $29.99 for the year. Uh, it's That's also a no-brainer deal if you're not going to use Prize Picks, but use Prize Picks. And of course, we would appreciate reviews of uh, uh, either, either Campus DeCanton or Debbie Debate, the Campus Can podcast channel or the Debbie Debate channel specifically itself. But... If you re- we're going to be giving away something here, so we haven't done a giveaway in a long time. I've, I've, I've realized that we have to bribe you guys to get reviews, and so we're going to do that.
0: We'll figure out what hey, it everybody, is that, uh, everybody what? likes free stuff. Everybody likes free stuff. Everybody
1: likes free stuff, and you know what? We like giving away free stuff. We've given a Javante Williams jersey. We've given away a Kyler Murray jersey. Are those the two, Matt Bruder? Yeah, we yeah, were supposed to give away a Zach
0: Wilson jersey, but then someone else ended up with it. So
1: <laughs> sorry. I mean, when you shoot from that deep. <laughs> got to get the jerseys. In here. All right, so uh, uh, man, I love giving myself pats on the back. Uh, <laughs> we know Matt Burning, <laughs> Matt Burning, Matt Burning. Who are you dropping now? Uh, we got two There's, weeks of information. Who are you dropping?
0: I really don't like to drop players after a week or two because I just don't believe. I mean, if you were to go back to like, I know this is kind of cherry picking here, but if you were to go back to last year and go to, like, two weeks that Justin Fields had back-to-back, you'd be dropping him to, like, QB5 in a class like Felix did, uh, you know, behind Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. So I I don't necessarily like to do that. The only player that really kind of comes to mind right now is Hudson Card, who I know we'll talk about later, getting benched for Casey Thompson, who I don't believe is a better quarterback, but – Card looked raw in that game uh, against Arkansas. He just did not look ready, did not look prepared. I think there's probably a better chance that he transfers and starts again for Texas this year. So he he would be the one player. I'm not getting rid of him. I don't know if I'd even trade him because I still think he's got a shot to be a decent college quarterback, but I'm definitely uh, dropping him in my ranks, I guess, to, to answer the question that way.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say that 50% of that 2020 Ohio State wide receiver class should be dropped. Julian Fleming. G Scott, he's not a lock, um, and I'm he's tied in. He's tied in. I said that 2020 Ohio State wide receiver class. That's what he came in as, right? So, yeah. Um, and then I'm holding on to Mookie Cooper. I'm holding on to Jackson Smith, and obviously JSN. But uh, those are the folks I'm dropping. Uh, here's a question. I, well, and Austin, I want to hear your drops too. Kendall Bilton hasn't been a, efficient with his touches at all yet in his career. I mean, they played UAB this past week, and I think he had eight carries for 26 yards, averaging 3.6 a carry. Would you trade? Would you trade Kendall Milton for Brandon Thomas?
2: Yeah, but I can... Because Brandon Thomas
1: is going to help you win on the college side of a campus to Canton league. So if
2: you were given the opportunity, would you trade... Kendall Milton for Brandon Thomas, Austin. Not straight up, but yeah, I would do that. I don't have any Kendall Milton. I have a lot of Brandon Thomas. That tells you all I need to know right there. Um, yeah, I, I would trade. I would do that in a heartbeat.
0: Burning. Bernie? Yeah, I mean, well, just because. Well, it,
2: well I,
1: Bruning, it's a it's an audio medium, so you can't shrug your shoulders. I'm sorry, so.
0: my son, my son was standing right here, so I was giving you a little <laughs> vi- and a video cue before I went to the audio. Uh, yeah, probably. Just, I still believe in Kendall Milton. I'm, st- I believe I'm still the highest on him at the site. Uh, but, but based on what you just said right there, I mean, getting Brandon Thomas, who I do agree with you guys, likely could end up, if not RB one, at least a top five RB for CFF this year and moving forward till next year as well. So I would definitely trade for him because I like we've mentioned many times I value winning on the college side. So
2: Austin, who are you dropping? So not only is he dropped, I believe outside of my top 100 wide receivers, um, but I think he can safely be dropped, or at least you know, because you can't find a trade partner in any sort of scenario. Demond (laughs) Damas is done. He is toast. He, that wide receiver room is atrocious at Texas A and M. They have zero talent there. It's a bunch of jags. You have this kid that's supposed to be basically the best, the best athlete at the position in all of college football, and he's played 15 snaps this year. He has no catches. He has, he has no, no statistics. A uh, guy that's in his second year, didn't play his senior year of high school, basically played nothing last year, and again is barely touching the field this year. There There is no value left there to be had. Uh, he, th- it's never going to be a thing. It's a very much a cautionary tale of valuing just sheer athleticism over being able to play the wide receiver position in a time where these kids are starting these 7v7 circuits and professional coaching at such an early age that if you don't have at least a little bit of an idea, of, of how to play wide receiver going into college, then you're probably not going to make it. I think it's very rare that we see that nowadays. So let this be a lesson for all of us. Uh, Damon DeMoss, we'll tell our grandkids about this someday. I, I accidentally took him in a league because I was sorting through my
1: queue and I wanted to put him in my queue and I just put him at the top so I could reorganize the rest of the players. And as I was doing that, the, it, it came to me on the clock and I had auto-pick on and so it just took demand Damas. and i was like mm, okay I'll, i'm fine with it and i wasn't fine with it I, I should have asked for some sort of relief all right gentlemen are we ready for the Debbie debates let's do it let's Do it, matt bruning let's throw this to you first true or false we've been doing a lot of true or false debbie debates we're gonna have to switch that up here soon
0: will levis is this year's zach wilson I will say false because I think there's a better shot. He comes out in twenty twenty three than twenty twenty two. So keep it nice and easy. We t- we talked a lot about him earlier, so
2: that is, that Maybe. is the easy answer. Um, and we we well, did yeah. talk ours talk ourselves out a little bit on on him. So thanks, Matt, for putting him as your answer earlier in the show. Um, yeah. That's a very call on move, just for the record.
0: Well, um, look, I've got when we get to CJ Stroud, I'm going to need a minute. So I'm trying to keep this part of the show short so we can get to what I want to talk about.
2: Perfect. Uh, no, he, he will not ascend to the second overall pick. Whatever you think of Zach Wilson, um, uh, should he or shouldn't he have gone there? I think we all agree. He probably should have been a top 10 pick regardless. I don't think Will Levis gets there. No. I
1: don't understand what people don't understand about Zach Wilson. He was an 18 year old freshman starter who unseated a two year starter who was like 25 years old in Tanner Mangum. We saw flashes of what Zach Wilson would be as an 18 year old freshman. We haven't seen that from Will Levis. So unless you can show me Will Levis, you know, as an 18 year old freshman playing against whomever and going 18 for 18 in the Idaho Potato Idaho Potato Bowl against Western Michigan, then he's not Zach Wilson. False. All right. Um Austin, true or false, we should be we should, should, should be worried about DJ Uyungalele.
2: Yeah, I think this is true, actually. I you know, I'm not necessarily making any sweeping changes to him in my rankings, but um yeah, I, I really do think we should be worried. And I think, you know, as we talked last week some of the blame for that week 1 loss and how he looked against Georgia was definitely uh partially game plan and, and uh the game the 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 play caller um putting that all together um but then he went out last week against South Carolina State and was just not very good 14 for 24 one touchdown one interception 171 yards he's not running at a, a particularly effective clip like i think a lot of people expected him to you know, only five carries on the year 23 yards um he does have the two touchdowns, but neither of them were, you know, uh, kind of a long marauding run like we thought he would. Um, he just doesn't look sharp. And again, I kind of talked about with Will Levis. I think the receivers are not getting a ton of separation, but he does not also seem uh, seem like a great anticipator. He just really doesn't seem like he – there are times where a receiver gets open and he kind of, you know, he he's, he's second-guessing it before he lets go of it. I think he needs to clean up some of that stuff. I'm a little worried, but he certainly has plenty of time to rebound. I'm not worried about DJ DJU. Um, the way he came in and played
1: against Boston College and um, Notre Dame, I'm just I'm not going to let two games let me fade him. Uh, we've seen quarter. I mean, we even seen we even saw Spencer Rattler start the season slow slowly last year. And then there's a th- there's a thing that we can hang our hats on with DJ Uyunglele. He has like Jamarcus Russell level arm talent. Just. A, a, a complete howitzer and so but he's I think mentally he's he's more there than, than than Jamarcus Russell was I don't I don't think that you can play as well as he did in a high pressure situation as a freshman if he if he didn't so I don't have a problem with him. I will say this though I don't know where this came from that DJU was going to be a rusher I think that he is a drop back passer who can scramble if needed but to be used as a power rusher I don't I don't really see that in his game I will I will say this though that could absolutely help a quarterback get in rhythm and get comfortable and it could challenge a defense put you in you know more zones and change defensive looks and things like that so I would if I was an offensive coordinator I would want to get him more comfortable by running the ball but I don't know that that's necessarily his game but I still I still love his game. I love his poise. I love his arm talent. Um, that's an absolute. I mean, you know, it's an it's absolutely a a first round arm talent. It's a number one overall pick arm talent. He we just got to see him develop. He started slowly. Fine. A lot of players uh, have. Matt, do you think that we should be worried about DJU?
0: Yeah, I mean, I am. I mentioned it earlier. I I don't shift my rankings. I, I just recorded um a new uh, podcast earlier this week, and I, I talked about how I still have DJU as my number one quarterback overall in college. That's not going to change after two games. I do agree with you. I mean, we did get to see a lot out of him against Notre Dame, Boston College. I would argue the Notre Dame defense is maybe half a step down from what we've seen of Georgia's defense right now. So we've seen him compete against a very good defense. I know they lost that game. But it was not because of DJU last year. But he has not also looked like the same player this year. And that is a little bit concerning to me. I mean, we've seen, and I understand maybe not against better competition, but Bryce Young has gone out there and lit the world on fire. And maybe he's because he's got better talent around him, whatever. He's just looked better overall. So I'm not panicking at a point where i'm trying to sell dju or i'm all out on him but i am concerned it, i my you know my panic meter is up at like a three right now i, I i'm not getting rid of him i'm not oh i'm dropping him to down to qb 10 behind you know whomever but i, I want to see more of him and, and it's almost become appointment viewing of like is he gonna get better throughout the season right now will levis 100 percent? i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> all right um Let's skip around here. True or false. CJ Stroud. Uh, Austin Nace has been fine for the Buckeyes so far.
2: Yeah, I I, uh, I was allowed to word the questions here tonight. So I, I worded this one like this to make it a little more difficult. I think he has been fine. I think he's been fine. Uh, he's not been awful. He's not been great. He's been fine. He, he's He's been up and down, as I would expect most first time quarterbacks uh first time starting quarterbacks to look especially at a program that's as, as big with as much pressure as as at Ohio State um i think that we you know, what gets lost a lot of the time is that you know, these quarterbacks need time to develop people people write off quarterbacks in college and the NFL level after like a year you know if pe- people said baker mayfield was crap after his rookie year and really part way through his second year there they, are a ton of quarterbacks like that that
0: May- You still say he's crap.
2: No, I just would have rather have Aaron Rodgers. I don't, there's a lot of room between crap and not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Well,
0: we'll we'll see. We'll see. I I saved some audio from that episode. We'll see. We'll see. That's not exactly what you said, but sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Continue.
2: Perfect. We we write off these quarterbacks. I don't think Stroud should be written off. Um, You know, statistically, he's been great for, you know, if you're you're playing college fantasy, he's been awesome. Um, But uh, he does need to step it up. I don't think he's in danger of losing that job either. So he's been fine, just fine. Uh, Should I go first so
1: we can leave the? Yeah, go ahead. Because you know, I have a question the, I want to ask both minutes. of
0: you. So it will take like three. Okay, but I, I, I have another. I want to add a question on to this. So yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, I think that he's been he's played like a first year starting quarterback, and that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you look at him statistically. His I think his numbers make him look better than he's actually played. He is a player who does not stress, stretch a defense or challenge a defense vertically. He is not a player who challenges uh, a defense with his rushing ability, but he has done what the offense has asked of him for the most part. It's just that he's coming right behind Justin Fields, who was always throwing the ball downfield. I would place some blame on Ryan Day. And and here, Matt Bruning has talked about how he believed Justin Fields was not allowed to run. And to me, that was confirmed on Saturday against Oregon because there is a play where there was nobody in front of C.J. Stroud, like no one in front of him, and he stayed parallel to the line of scrimmage to be able to throw for much longer than he should have. And then when he actually took off to run, he was still hesitant. That's that's something that's being coached in him, that he's not to be aggressive running the ball. And it's hard to play football when you are thinking about whether or not you're going to get in trouble for something. And, it, and I'm not, I don't know what's going on in the Ohio State locker room or how they're being coached. I do know, I do know how coaches work. And that just looked like a play where, like, there he sh- that the place it should have gone for 20 yards, it ended up going for like maybe seven or eight. He just he should have been aggressive running, you know, much earlier in the play. Again, uh, this play against Oregon, and he wasn't. And so, I think that that's on Ryan Day. But to answer the question, no, I think that CJ Stroud has been absolutely fine. I mean, he's been on national television two big games, twice back to back. I mean, all, Ohio State is always going to be playing, excuse me, playing in big games. But he's been fine. Let's see how a first-year quarterback who has what a seven-to-two touchdown-interception to ratio. Let's see, let's see, let's see how he develops. Let's give him a chance. I will say this: you can't be throwing bubble screens on third and seven. Like defenses are going to catch up to that and start smacking your slot receivers. He's got to start throwing the ball downfield, Matt Bruning.
0: I agree. He's been fine, and that's been my argument this entire time. He's been fine. I've said Ohio State, whether other people want to admit this or not, and, and I guess you guys can tell me I'm wrong on this, they are considered by most to be an elite program and they compete for national championships every single year. It's not a, oh, hey, well, we've got this first-year starting quarterback and if he struggles, we'll worry about it in 2022. No, they want to win in 2021. My biggest issue with Stroud is, is exactly what you said, Felix. The stats are inflated a little bit, and I think a lot of people are just looking at the stats and saying, oh, yeah, CJ Stroud's been good. If you watch the games, he doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. I had his stats up here. When he is pressured, he's throwing 50% completion percentage. When he's blitzed, 57%. That is the worst out of players such as Bryce Young, even DJ Hugh, Michael Pratt, and I went back and looked at Matt Jones because I felt like the pressure of having Bryce Young behind him last year I think somewhat applies to Stroud because he's got a Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers and realistically Jack Miller, although we don't think Jack Miller may be up in that, but all those guys behind him. It is the worst out of all of those quarterbacks. To point on the stats, Felix, you mentioned he threw, or I don't know if you mentioned it, but he threw for 484 yards last week. 294 of those came. After the catch. Now, I understand you could probably go out and, and, you know, pull that out from multiple quarterbacks. I'm sure Bryce Young in that first game against Miami was some of the big plays that he hit. Some of that's coming after the catch. But realistically, so he threw for less than two or less than half of his yards were before the catch. His A dot is not great. It was 12. Some of that got boosted up to 12. I'm uh, sorry, 10, boosted up to 12 on some of the big plays from Minnesota. What I Ohio State wants to win this year. So, my question to you guys is going to be when or if do you pull him? Because they have not looked good. And I think all three of us would honestly say if three of Oregon's best four defenders were on the field Sunday, that game was not even as close as it was. That was not a six point game. I think Oregon beats them. By 14 points, if Justin Flo plays, if Thibodeau plays, if that defensive back plays, because Stroud is missing players left and right. Yes, I went back and rewatched the game. He made two really good throws. He missed wide open wide receivers multiple times. Now, maybe it is unfair to him. You mentioned Felix. He's following up on Justin Fields. We never saw that from Justin Fields. He did not miss wide open wide receivers. Or when he did, it rarely happened. So maybe we are judging Stroud unfairly because of the player that followed him. But... He does have two five-star quarterbacks behind him, two quarterbacks that we all believe are going to be very good. If we truly believe that Ohio State is still a playoff team, you cannot continue to struggle with this quarterback. And my biggest issue with him is beyond the X's and O's, he does nothing special to win you games that we have seen. I understand it's only been two games, but at times you need, when the X's and O's break down and you need your quarterback to make that big play, he has not been able to do it. So I'm not saying he should be benched. I think he should continue playing and being the starter. But would you, either one of you, you you're you called up today by Ryan Day. Hey, I want you to come in, be the quarterback's coach, and I want your opinion on who should start all that. When or if, would you pull C.J. Stroud and start any of the other three? does Doesn't My love for McCord does not have to be. It could be Quinn Ewers, uh, Jack Miller. I don't care. I'm just curious as to what your guys' thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah. And you know, you know who's going to be able to tell us that is the wide receivers. When you watch their body language, when he misses them or when he throws, you know, out of their catch radius, you're gonna see them drop their shoulders, drop their head. You're gonna see them shake their head. And it's gonna become more I mean, I've I've seen it already. I've seen it already. Um, when he throws the ball into a dirt into the dirt, when he starts losing the confidence of that, you know, elite wide receiver core. That is when they're going to have to make a change, because he's going to start losing confidence if he's not hitting those throws, and his teammates don't believe in him. And that is starting to—I mean, just watch, just watch the body language when he misses a throw, when Garrett Wilson is wide open and he overthrows him or underthrows him or throws it uh, to the inside shoulder when it should be to the outside shoulder. Um, that's when we're going to know. That's when the, the, they're when they are going to have to make a change, Austin. Awesome.
2: I don't think you do it until he is the one that's truly costing you games. And to be honest with how bad that defense is, like I don't know if that really happens this year. I think I think Ohio State loses another game. That I, defense I, is I'm awful. With you. I think Penn State I'm can go you. out there and, and run the ball against them. I think Noah Kane can go out there and do exactly what C.J. Burdell did uh, on Saturday. They're, they're yeah. you know, it, that. it so but if, and it doesn't have to be like you're losing the whole game if you're going into half and C.J. Stroud is like four for 14. That's the kind of time where you bench him, but he's not losing these games for them yet. Like, I think even if the defense had played average on Saturday, they probably still could have won.
0: So that point, I want to go back to what you just said right there. If if at half, he's done nothing the first two halves of those games. And I get Oregon, okay? Oregon is a good defense. I'm not going to argue Oregon. Minnesota last year it was like the 110th ranked pass defense and the 90th uh, ranked um, uh, uh, defensive rush, whatever. I can't think of the exact word. Right now, they're sitting at 112th and 80th. They're not a good defense. CJ Stroud looked like crap that entire first half against Minnesota. He's not winning them games either, though. I, I agree he's not the reason they're losing. It's the defense 100 cj Stroud would be the fifth or sixth thing i pick on why they're losing but he's also not winning them the games which you need to have because bryce young is doing that dju did that last year he's not doing that now but he did that last year the last thing i want to add on ryan day felix you mentioned it he is a very conservative play caller a lot of people may not think that because they take a lot of shots deep but he is a very conservative play caller. It is one of the reasons why I have said from the beginning, I thought Kyle McCord should have been the starting quarterback because he has that gunslinger mentality and he is not afraid to force a ball in there. Where I think CJ Stroud is hesitant to do that. And I think that has cost him in a couple of the big throws as well, because he seems hesitant to make the throw right then. And he sees the safety coming down and that's where he's missed some of those players. That's why, Besides, again, I am a big fan of him, but that is why I've said from the beginning, I think McCord should have been the starter. I just think he fits better in that offense on the opposite of what Ryan Day does. C.J. Stroud is conservative like Day. You cannot have two conservative players like that running your offense because it's going to cost you because, Austin, Alabama or Ohio State's wide receivers, which would you take right now?
2: I would take Ohio State's.
0: Running back, the the whole backfield, the whole room. Travion Henderson, mine, I'm Teague's kind of an afterthought. And Alabama's. Which would you rather have?
2: Probably Bama's. Okay. It's close. Like, but, it, but I it's, think I'd it's have close. Bama's. Yeah.
0: Offensive lines are both very close. I looked at the uh, PFF. I mean, that's the best place I could go and look the grades. Alabama's is rated, I think it's like four spots higher. So you're telling me that Alabama and Ohio State are very close together offensively. Why is Bryce Young look so good and CJ Stroud look so bad? I'm not, you don't have to answer. You don't have to, uh, he is. is. That's my point. You didn't have to answer. It was rhetorical, but it's, I don't think CJ Stroud is bad. And if he were on 90% of other schools, I think we would all talk about how great he is. And 2022 is going to be a great year for him. But when you're at a school like Ohio state, you don't get a year. You just don't.
1: Okay. All right. That's enough. That's enough about the Buckeyes. Um, let's do one more, one more Debbie debate before we move on here to Austin's lukewarm it's got,
2: take. It's gotta be that last one. It's gotta be that last one.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. And that last one is Brock Bowers. Is he already the Debbie in tight end two after
2: Michael Mayer Austin? Yes. Yes, he is. I know How? I was, I know it's rare to get an Austin uh, bull take like this. Yes. Brock Bowers for pure Debbie is the tight end to an all of college football. And and it's partially because he has completely surpassed expectations at, at, at Georgia here to start this season as a true freshman, but it's also, it's just a lack of contenders there. I mean, we're presumptive. Michael Mayer is tight end one. I think that, that at this point that's pretty well established. You have Eric Gilbert, who seems like a total head case cannot get it together at all. I no longer have any sort of expectations for him. If he ends up being really good, cool. I I just don't have those expectations anymore. You have Weidermeyer, who's probably the top tight end in this year, the 2022 class. I actually really like Weidermeyer. I just think his athletic upside limits him a little bit in an age where basically all of the top tight ends in the NFL, especially from a fantasy perspective are really really good athletes they're they're top top percentile athletes at the position brock bowers was the sec goes clocked as the second fastest player in college football last year on that long touchdown that he scored he is that level of an athlete i haven't quite yet been able to watch and see him as a blocker not that that necessarily matters we just saw kyle pitts go top five he, he's not a kyle pitts type player but but, you know, you still want to be able to see him do a little bit of that. But I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be the tight end two in Debbie. I, I would take him over a slew of other guys at the position. Brock Bowers is 6'4", 230.
1: Um, and I'm guessing that that's being generous as far as his weight. No, I, I don't have a problem.
2: I'd guess he's in the All right.
1: <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. It's just that. I think that we'd like to see that elite size at that position to know that they're going to be an asset uh, on our uh, NFL rosters. But, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy that he is, that you're even putting him there at the tight end too, given that he was behind both Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert, who were well, well ahead of him in our rankings. But um, you're right. I mean, Will Mallory hasn't played well. Uh, Theo Johnson. Windsor, stand up, has done absolutely nothing. Um, Jalen Watermeyer, we don't have any verified testing for him. So why not give it to the guy who has been ultra productive thus far, Matt Bruning?
0: Yeah, I agree. The only player I would I'd put up there that I think can be close to him is who you just mentioned, Felix, and that's Theo Johnson, but we haven't seen anything from him. I don't think we're going to see anything from him until next year when Drew Aller shows up and like reinvents the entire Penn State offense.
2: Seriously, my favorite part about Theo Johnson is that Felix tries to claim him as a Detroiter. He's <laughs> literally, he's literally Tina Fey playing uh, Palin going, I can see Russia from my house. That is, I can Windsor from my house. That's that's Felix as he talks about <laughs> freaking amazing. All right. All right, it's time for my favorite segment
1: uh, of the show. Are we ready to go, Matt Bruning, or do you need me? Do you need me? We're ready to go. All right. Let's go.
2: All right. I am 2-0 and so far this season on my lukewarm takes. Uh, and like Goldilocks, I try to be not too hot, not too cold. I try to be just right. I think I have the perfect hot take this week. Penn State plays Auburn this weekend. Auburn traveling to State College. Uh, Auburn has put up 120 points between their first two games, and it is starting to make people talk about Bo Nix again. I think Penn State is going to remind us who Bo Nix is this weekend. Uh, for those that don't know, Penn State defense is only allowing 205 pass yards per game. They have five picks, three sacks. Uh, Nix is in for a long day. I think he probably turns the ball over at least twice. And um, we we are reminded of who Bo Nix is uh, this weekend. So, I thought your so, prediction
1: was that that Auburn and Penn State would play this week. I mean, I thought
2: that that's what you were saying. <laughs> it's hurricane season, baby. We don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, hey, Bo Nix is going to suck like he has for two years. I mean, uh, I like it, I guess.
1: Um, I guess. I guess. The Lucas of lukewarm takes. All right. All right. Um, Matt burning, do, do you have uh, anything a little bit? Do you have anything spicier than Austin's uh, lukewarm take?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I had one and now I can't remember what it was. Why don't you go first, Nix is going to
2: look amazing. Let me go first. Oh, it was
0: like Bo Nix. <laughs> It's gonna go for four hundred yards and five touchdowns. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, how about this?
0: Oh, I remember what it was. Now, how but about, go ahead.
1: Sorry. How about Jake Hayner and the Fresno State Bulldogs? Late, late in the evening on Saturday. Knock off, Chick Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins, and we finally, the Devi community finally respects. Jake Haner and he goes he goes 28 for 35 for 300 yards and three touchdowns and the Bulldogs pull it out Jake Cropper, Josh Kelly, Ron, Ronnie Rivers, Jake Haner, they pull out the upset victory that they couldn't pull out against Oregon but they do uh, finish the game and win against UCLA. How about that? For a I spicy
2: have, take. The, I have money on them. They're 11 and a half point dogs. I, I have money on them covering that spread. There we go. That's almost like Austin agreeing with
1: me. I mean, that's as close as that as, as we'll get. I don't want to give Austin. away because
2: that's one of the games yeah. we're picking on the tailgate. Yeah. But I've already put my answer Boy, down, so Matt Is what I what well, my answer and I might agree with a, you on that. We might get a special. I can't yeah, I
0: can't. Uh, I couldn't me.
1: even find the tailgate show sheet. If you asked me to go find, we it. hide it from uh, you.
0: We hide it from. Yeah, you. Yeah, on purpose. No. Um, I think that uh, Jaron Hall and BYU are going to easily beat Arizona State this weekend. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the very good late window games. I think Jaron Hall is going to throw for three hundred plus yards and continue his uh, touchdown with uh, no. Uh, Austin seems very shocked by that. Why are you uh, 100? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's thrown for, what, 347 in two games? So I think they're going to have to throw to to beat it. Algier. Hadn't done crap, unfortunately. I was all in on Algier. But I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to be able to put up points on that BYU defense. So I think Jaron Hall is going to lead BYU to a win over Arizona State. Three touchdowns, 300 yards. 305, just because I said over 300.
2: I think it's the opposite. I think it's like a 21 to 12 game or something. Like, I it probably really will. It's going to
0: be like 10 to nine. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. All right.
1: Bold predictions over. Is Chris Moxley, is Chris Moxley here? Is he no,
0: Chris is not time. joining the
2: show here this evening. He,
1: he
0: is joining the, the show. And he said that. We, my ties. He, you too many my ties. He said,
1: he said that everything was good, that we had no yeah. mistakes today. I was excellent. You two were okay. All right. So that's um, the first, time.
0: first time in w debate history, I'm, right there. But
1: how about we? How about I start with uh, a parting shot because I don't have anything written prepared. But I just want to let's let's tell this story about. Remember in the spring when Ajay Hall was was in camp and he had that spring game and and made those catches and everyone was like, Ah, Ajay Hall, Ajay Hall. But what about I? I had always been high on JoJo Earl, who did not uh, enroll early at Alabama. He decided to stay at his high school in Texas and play in their sprint in their spring season there that had been moved due to COVID. I think he's always been either 9 or 10 had uh, JoJo Earl in my rankings. And guess who is second in receiving at Alabama? JoJo Earl. JoJo Earl second in receiving to John Mechie um yeah, I mean, if you if you watched his tape, you just saw explosive and how different he was as a player. He is the type of player that the NFL just prioritized in the NFL draft. Small, fast, explosive. They have not um really prioritized these big, lanky, contested catch wide receivers who aren't necessarily separators. I've had this conversation with Austin. Austin believes that Hall is potentially a separator. I don't know. I I don't know yet. Um, but I know that Jojo Earl is, and he's an explosive player and he is second, uh, in receiving for Alabama. You know how many catches combined, if you combine them, that a Jai Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks, who was the number one receiver in the class, you know how many catches they have for Alabama? Zero. Three? Is it three? I thought it was zero. I was just guessing. I have,
0: I have no idea. No, they have
1: They have no catches. They have no catches. And and JoJo Earl is second on the team in receiving. So um, that is my parting shot.
0: I mean, it's your Go parting ahead, Matt, shot. You, you should have known the answer to that. You shouldn't have been confused. I, I it looked three. at uh, no, no, I did
1: know. But then you yeah. held up three fingers. I'm like, I, I how was You were guessing. telling me. I'm like, no, they don't no. have any quick catches. You were
0: asking. All right, we are already a third of the way through the college football season. We have already got multiple incredible games, close calls, and even some surprising upsets. We've talked all preseason that this could be a wide-open college season, and it's playing out that way. The Heisman favorites coming into the season aren't even in the top five anymore. The leading running back is a redshirt freshman who could run the rest of the way and win the Dope Walker Award winner. That's Brandon Thomas for you guys. The elite teams are struggling to win games convincingly. With the way things are trending, we could see our first two-loss team in the playoffs this year. The Pac-12 has a real shot of getting back in uh, for the first time since 2016 with Washington, yet with all the changes and turbulence around college football in this landscape. One thing remains the same, and I'm sure you guys can all guess what that is. Uh, Stupid Ohio State fans falling into this trap again where we were going to make the playoffs and win a national championship. We're going to lose two games this year. Suck it up and get ready for 2022.
2: Mike Stoops, Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, James Franklin, all names swirling as potential candidates for the USC job opening recently vacated by Clay Helton. Helton never really fit in at USC, evidenced by his spotty recruiting background there, his inability to keep Southern Californian kids home, and his single New York Six Bowl appearance. And it's questionable as to whether any of those other candidates will bring something to USC that Helton could not. Neither could Steve Sarkeesian, to be fair, or Lane Kiffin or Ed or- Orgeron in his short stint with the Trojans. All coaches that were working their way up the coaching ladder uh, and made their debuts there at USC. Like Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, USC is a true destination school. It should attract top candidates with exemplary resumes, coaches that have already proven to be the best of the best. None of those four names have sniffed the college football playoff. None look likely to do that anytime soon. That is why the only candidate to take over as head coach of USC Trojans is current Jaguars coach Urban Meyer. I tried to play this uh, um, you know, close to the vest earlier when we talked. Meyer has won virtually everything there is to win in college football. He built a strong team at Bowling Green when people thought that was not possible, established Utah as a consistent contender, then went to destination schools, Florida and Ohio State. And won national championships at both, including his second season at Florida and his third at OSU. He can pull the quick turnaround. Sure, his pivot back to the NCAA may come with some backlash initially. So did Nick Saban's following his brief stint with the Dolphins. Pete Carroll struggled in his first round with the Patriots. It happens. The NFL and college are two completely different animals. And if urban's first few months in charge uh, in Jacksonville have shown us anything, it's that he is simply out of his league, but winning changes hearts quick. And if there's one thing that urban Meyer knows how to do, it's win college football games, check out
1: all of the content around the campus to Canton family. Lots of stuff going on the website. Lots of stuff going on on the podcast channel. Obviously, Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, Why Wait Till Sunday. Both of the shows on bookend your Saturdays with the tailgate in the morning and coast to coast to wrap it up at night. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We We will get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.
0: Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time, as they defeat Oregon 42-20. Here's Tua, stepping back, loads
1: up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown touchdown. Touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th
0: overall. And for Smith-
1: Watson takes a snap, rolls right. looks to the end zone. Hunter and the cut. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro and Hudson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, And he's up to the races, nobody will catch him!